Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. A couple years ago, I went to a, a youth conference with uh, our our church. They, they needed a volunteer, couldn't find anybody else, so they asked me. And I went, and at the beginning of it, uh, I hadn't been, I'd been to one of these conferences before, but it had been a long time because I spent a long time in youth ministry, but that was a long time ago. Well, um, they, they, the guy in the band, Dave Pelsu Band, stood up there and he hit a chord and it, it could have peeled the paint off the wall. So, you know, you know, I'm just, I was sitting on the front row and it went, boom, just like that. And he said, this is what you came here for. And when I think about revelation, this is what I think. This is what you came here for today. And for the next several weeks, because we've got questions about it. And if you've uh, been here at any time, we've been talking about that revelation uh, is John looking through a window and, and, and writing down what he saw, these windows uh, of, of what's going on and this figurative language and this imagery and all these things and all these things that scare us. And they write uh, movies about. And, and how many of you, uh, uh, this, is, this is dating myself, read or listened to the Left Behind series? You remember that? Oh yeah, it looked brilliantly done, brilliantly done, but, but uh, just uh, marketed to, to the hill. They, they kept coming out with more and more. Do you remember that? Like it, it just came out over and over just like, and then I quit after that. I, I thought, Revelation, this is like 10 times longer than Revelation. But, <laughs> but it was about marketing and making money, and he did very well with that. So when we think about Revelation, we have all these thoughts about what does this mean? Somebody this morning said, hey, I'm praying for you. They knew what the series is on. I said, hey, I need it because it can be really confusing. And a couple of things as we begin is that there's nothing new in Revelation. I want you to hear this from me. There's nothing new. That everything that John sees is the same truth. You're going to see that Jesus said some of the same things. It's the same truth. Now, the imagery is a little different. But the truth is the same. Now, the thing about imagery and um, just setting up uh, scenery, which, which John does, the thing about that is that Hollywood does this really well. They, they do this really well, and you, you go to a movie or something like that, man, you just get sucked in, which is great. You're watching something, and, and we've all been there. We're like, man, this is, this is a great, like we're in this story. They've done a great job of, of, of just writing about the characters and developing everything and the conflict and everything. And you're watching, you're like, man, you're just entertained. You're in the moment, and you're looking at it, and you're watching the screen, and, and it's, it is unbelievable. Well, and we have the privilege of living in a place where they make a lot of movies. Covington is called the Hollywood of the South. And what I think is cool about that is that sometimes we can look through what Hollywood has done. My, my boys worked at Scoops for several years. They, they scooped ice cream for years. Great place to work. If you need a job, I would highly recommend it. It's a great place to work. But in that, one day they came home and said, hey, you got to go to the square. I said, what's going on? He said, they're shooting a movie. And I said, well, okay, what's so they do that all the time. And he said, no, Dad. He said, they've got it covered in snow. Well, it never snows here. 
And it was a time like this where it was never going to ever snow. And they said, the whole square. I said, you're kidding me. I said, Dad, I'm telling you, the whole square is covered with snow. So I went over there, and guess what? The whole square is covered in snow. Arthur Snow is just this imagery they've done to create. But if you look through it, you look through it, you, there's the square. There's your pie. There's these places that I know. And the same thing is true today. What we're going to do is we're going to look through and find the truth of Revelation through some imagery. You're going to hear imagery of four horsemen, 144,000. You're going to hear words like antichrist. We're, we're, going to, we're going to see things and we're going to talk about them today. And you've got to look through the imagery to find truth. And we introduced this, this premise the first week that this passage cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. This is the premise we've been working on, that if you think about Revelation, Revelation was written to the seven churches. It was written to them for us. It wasn't written to us. If you read Revelation, it specifically says this is written to these seven churches. So it cannot mean for us what it, what, uh, what it didn't mean to them. And, and I say this because when we talk about the four horsemen, I, I, I talked about this the first week that somebody said to me, uh, there's a guy on YouTube that uh, talked about the guy on the white horse. Well, who wears white? Do y'all remember what I said? Who was it? Medical field. The medical field. They wear, he's, they're, they're, they're one of the four horses. And, and, and what, what, what are they bringing? Uh, the, the, the pale rider horse. What is Death. That's the vaccine. This guy's on YouTube. And it's just jacked up thought about revelation, scaring everyone and, and just everything like that. And it's not that. And so today we're going to, we're going to cut through some of these things. Is everybody with me? All right. We're cutting through imagery. We're going to use imagery. Look at, but cutting through, we're looking for truth. All right. The first image that we see is this white horse. If you read Revelation 6, 1 through 2, it says that Jesus, last week Cameron preached, Jesus is worthy to unroll the scroll. And he starts to unroll the scroll and he's got to break these seals. And one of the seals that he breaks is, is the white horse. He breaks the seal and it's the white horse. And this is the in essence, the Antichrist, this is the fake Jesus, this is the imitation Jesus, and we get to see this coming, and Jesus talks about this in, in Matthew 24, 4 and 5. He talks about it in, in Revelation 6, but I want to tell you that the same thing, so you can see that this is repeated, uh, that, that Revelation is just a accumulation of what's already been taught. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. I want to leave that for a second. Because the rider on their white horse is wearing white. Well, later in Revelation, Jesus is wearing white. Jesus is on a horse. Jesus has a sword. And this is an imitation Jesus. This is the person that's coming and saying, hey, follow me. But he's not Jesus. This is the one that says, I have the power to save. But he doesn't have the power to save. Jesus has this scroll that he's going to open. This scroll is the meaning of life. It is the purpose of life. It is life. It is all of history coming to the one point where Jesus is sharing. He's going to unroll and share with everyone. And the one on the white horse, the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6 is saying, hey, follow me, follow me. This is in essence the Antichrist. In essence the Antichrist. This is the fake Jesus. Well, how does this play out in our society? That there are many ways to heaven. That you can find purpose and meaning 
and something beside Jesus Christ. That within the church, this plays out as false teaching. That there is this fake Jesus, this imitation Jesus, this designer Jesus that we make ourselves. Have you ever heard anybody say when they've come up to something in God's Word, they read something in God's Word and they say to themselves, well, I just don't believe God would actually do that. I don't believe the God I know. That's not the God. And we make a God in our image. Now, here's the truth about today's message. The front part is heavy, and it's tough. Because there's a riders that you're going to see, the riders of the horsemen. The picture that John has given us, that, that these guys are riding. Listen to me. This is the hard part. They never stop riding. That for 2,000 years, there have been fake Jesuses. Jesus says, hey, watch out that no one deceives you. If you're here today, listen, no one deceives you. For many will come. Many, many will come in my name. Claiming I am the Messiah. And will deceive many. And there's this whole concept of, you don't need Jesus. Just be a good person. You don't need Jesus. There's another way. You don't have to be like Jesus. You don't have to submit to Jesus. You can do your own thing. That, that, that God's a loving God. He's going to take everybody. Everybody's going to be saved. Everybody's getting in. doesn't matter what you believe. And look, I'm not here to, to knock down other beliefs, but it doesn't matter what you believe. Hindu, Buddhism, whatever you want to call it, Islam, whatever, and all the roads lead to the same river. That was a, that was a terrible analogy, doesn't it? All the rivers lead to the same ocean. Thank you, Sam. I got a high five up here when I did that, so... And so we have this picture of the first of the four horsemen. Next scripture. This is how you will recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Here's the funny thing about the four horsemen that we're going to go over today. This is the funny part about it. Is that for 2,000 years, everybody thought that it was their time. Like the, the white horse. Well, he's talking about, like in our time, I've heard people, like I just told you, uh, somebody said, well, they're talking about the medical field. But, you know, since Jesus died to, and rose again to now, the last 2,000 years, there have been 17 pandemics. Did you know that? And, I, and I'm not minimizing what has happened with COVID. But compared to a lot of the others, this one has been mild. Is everybody with me on this? There have, in the last 2,000 years, there's been a ton of bad leaders. I remember years ago, I, I saw a bumper sticker that said, a vote for Clinton is a vote for the Antichrist, which is ridiculous. But somebody put it on. And here's the thing. There have been years of leaders, whatever side of the political realm you're on, been years of leaders that have been not the best. And I'm not saying Clinton. I'm just not about Clinton or about Trump or anything else. But there have been years of leaders. Like we talk about Hitler. Certainly people thought that he was the Antichrist. And what he's simply saying, John's writing to us, what he's saying is that there's this spirit of the Antichrist that's been going on for 2,000 years. And the, the spirit of that is that there's many ways to be saved. 
that you don't need Jesus. You don't have to have him. That you can do your own thing. That, 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 you know, I know what the scriptures say here, but you're different. God's going God's to let you in because he likes you. You don't really need to follow. You don't really need to obey. You don't need to submit. You don't have to sacrifice. So how do you respond to that? We respond by proclaiming salvation in Jesus alone. I want to be, remind you of this. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The second seal, the red horse. The red horse is war and slaughter. The red horse is war and slaughter, and we live in, in a time where it just seems like that people are angry. People are angry. It doesn't make... Uh, um, you don't have to look very far to see this, that, that technology and everything else has, have, has given permission to be angry and, and to be angry immediately. But I, I, if you don't believe that we live or we are bent towards war in our persona, in our spirit, in our hearts, hang around with a little kid. I've got two grandkids. One of, one of them is able to, to uh, willfully disobey. <laughs> we were outside and uh, she had a handful of rocks. And I said, Nor, don't throw those rocks. And she looked at me as defiantly as you could ever look at anybody in your life, and she went. <laughs> and so I did what, you know, I, I rarely ever get on her, y'all, which has made it worse. Like, you know, don't throw rocks. She's crying. <laughs> crying. She runs to Leslie. You know, she's Leslie's friend now. <laughs> and Leslie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leslie puts her down. This is, this is so funny. We died laughing. She bends over and she looks up. Her hands are rocked. She looks at me like this. Now, she's a good kid. She's a great kid. But inside of all of us, listen to me, we are bent towards war. This rider rides all the time, rides all the time. You look here, rides all the time. This isn't just something that happened then. for the last 2,000 years. Think about the wars. Think about the anger. Think about the animosity. Think about people going at it. That we, inside of all us, there's this bent towards war, towards anger, towards standing up and, and fighting someone. Not because you're, you're trying to preserve your life, just because you feel like you've been wronged or you've been hurt or you've been, uh, uh, you've been betrayed and this is going on. This And Jesus said this, the same thing. Jesus said this, that we see it in Revelation, but Jesus said it. He said, you will hear of wars. For the past 2,000 years, don't you think in World War II they thought, this is it, Jesus is coming back? Don't you think that? They had to think that. The Civil War, man, this is awful. People getting killed, unbelievable. Jesus is coming back. It's been going on the whole time, and the, this rider continues to ride to this day. Jesus says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Jesus told about it. We see it in Revelation. So what do you do? How do we respond? What do you do when you're hurt? What do you do when you've been wronged? What do you do when you've been betrayed? What do you do when you're angry? We respond by receiving the gospel of peace. Inside of us, 
we ought to be the most peaceful people around. The whole world could be falling apart, but we ought to have peace. That when we're hurt, we forgive. That when we're wronged, we love. That when we're betrayed, we give grace. And when we're angered, we're willing to show mercy. The third seal is broken. John looks in, the third seal is broken. This rider is famine. I want to spend some time on this. This rider is famine. The scripture says that Jesus told about was, and, and Matthew says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. That Jesus talked about it. He, he told us this was coming, that there would be famine. And I know immediately you're thinking, oh yeah, you're talking about COVID. We don't have any toilet paper. It's not what he was saying. That's not, I'm just telling you, we can't make it to be that. This is revelation being played out when I need toilet paper. Spam it. <laughs> what are we going to do? <sighs> and then John elaborates. And he says, Then I heard what sounded like a voice among four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. I'm going to leave that fair for a second. What is John talking about here? You know what he's talking about? That there's going to be a famine of things that we need. That we will be left with things that we don't need. That this will be a famine of what is needed and what is left behind is the luxuries that we do not need. This is the, the famine of the soul where, where we get sucked into the white horse that says, come, 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 I've got what you need, I've got what you need, and we buy in, we buy in. And what we really need is Jesus Christ. What we really need is just church. What we really need is fellowship. What we really need is to obey. And there's this famine in our soul because we've got everything else we need. We've got everything else we need. We got money, we got houses, we've got stuff. And I'm not opposed to any of it. But if you follow those, if they are what you live for, then you're headed for a life of emptiness and being unfulfilled. We have everything we need in Jesus Christ. We have nothing without him. And John's writing to us saying, hey, the things that you need, there's going to be a famine of. And you'll be left with everything else. How do we answer this? Well, I'm going to introduce a concept today that you're going to hear about. Not only are you going to hear about this series, but it's going to be the, the launch point for a series that we're going to start in January. We respond to this famine of the soul by practicing radical generosity and radical hospitality. 
that we want to be people that when they think about followers of Jesus Christ, that man, we're, we're, we're givers, that we're, we're, we're generous, that we're not getting locked in. We're not, we're not feeding ourselves all the time to where we, it's just all about us and our stuff and, and our kingdoms. Cameron talked about like our little tykes, kingdoms that we've built up and hospitality, that we're going to be hospitable to those we like, to those we don't like, to those that we are, we are brothers and sisters with, that we are, we are in fellowship and hospitable, that it's radical. And you're going to hear this over and over again in Revelation, this whole concept that we are going to fight the famine of the soul through these two efforts. And then finally, the last of the four horsemen is the pale horse. This is yellowish green, the color of gross. Have you ever been to a wedding where they said, hey, we're going to do yellow green. We're going with the yellow green. My brother had a, a car. It was, a, it was our family car, but he drove it more than I did. He had a car. It was a lime green Pinto. You remember the Pinto? It was ugly, y'all. It was ugly. But John's given this picture. Yellow green. The fourth rider is coming, yellow-green. It's the color of gross. Now, if yellow-green was your wedding, I apologize. I didn't mean that. Somebody's like, what the what? And if that's your favorite color, I really apologize. Yellowish-green, the color of gross, sickness, and death. This rider rides all the time. Listen, for 2,000 years, this rider's been riding, and he's undefeated. That all our efforts to exercise, all our efforts to lose weight, take vitamins, We've lost that this rider has been riding for thousands of years, always riding. Look at the scripture right here. Jesus talked about it. He said, John talked about it. He says, as I look, behold, a pale horse and its rider was named Death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority to kill a fourth of the earth and to kill with the sword and with famine pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth. And he's just talking about all these different ways that you can die. Famine, beasts, pestilence, there's things back then. Looking in a window just saying, this rider's riding. And so how do we respond to this rider? Because physically, unless Jesus Christ comes back, we will lose that battle too. We will all pass we respond by praying in faith and believing that God can heal with open hands. That we're open our hands. God, we believe you can heal. We have people in the church who are sick. We're praying for their healing. We are. We're praying for that. We are. We're praying for people's salvations. That's why these names on there. Because we know that physical death is coming. We don't want anybody to die without Jesus Christ. That's why we've got names on this cross of those we want. So we're praying. We're praying. Praying that people would come to Christ. Praying for those who are sick. Well, if this didn't get heavy enough, we got the white horse, 
the black horse, I'm the red horse, the black horse, and the, 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 the pale horse. And you'd think, well, if you just had those four, that'd be one thing. But there's a fifth and a sixth seal. The fifth seal is this. Persecution. Now it goes from bad. It goes, it goes from bad. The reason why these guys are not uh, considered horsemen is that these are, 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 are seasonal, or, are, whereas the riders of the four horsemen are riding all the time. Persecution is not all the time. We didn't get, did anybody get persecuted today besides your spouse yelling at you? Did anybody get persecuted? When, except for your kids. They're like, come on. We're going to be late again. But he opens the fifth seal. It's persecution. Now, again, I'm telling you, it's heavy and it seems negative. Hang with me for a second. Fifth seal. Here we go. Persecution. Scripture. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the soul's of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge your blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. That there's this waiting for Christ to come back, that, that there's people that have, that have died for their faith under persecution, and they're, they're waiting, how long, how long? When, when are you going to avenge us? And that we don't know the answer to that when Christ comes. He has answered, but he's, but just this whole concept of persecution that we saw when, when we pulled out of Afghanistan, we saw the church being persecuted. This wasn't in the, in the, on, in the headlines much. We saw the, the church, the Christians there being persecuted. We see it in other countries like China. We even see it with some of our missionaries. We support a missionary in, in India, Vivert, where at times that he is persecuted. He's told not to come speak somewhere. He has death threats when he, when he goes and does revivals. We see, but none of us have that. So this whole persecution is spotty. It's here, there, and everywhere, but it may be here one day. But it's not a rider that rides all the time. And then finally, the sixth seal, that Jesus has a scroll, and he's opening the seals, and he's one of the seals, and, and, and we get to the sixth seal, and it's natural disasters. Again, it just seems like it just goes from bad to worse, that you've got these things that are bad, the, the Antichrist, the, the, the wars, the famine, uh, d d this d death and sickness, persecution. Now we've got natural disasters. It goes from bad to worse. The scripture here in the sixth seal says, I watched and opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth of goat hair. The whole moon was turned red blood, and the stars in the skies fell to the earth, and the figs... Drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. And you're sitting there thinking, man, this is terrible. They had to be reading this, thinking this is terrible, this is awful, that, that things, are, are, you know, things are just in a bad place. What are we going to do? So what are we going to do with these things? How do we handle the six seals? Now, I've taken you a lot. It's a, a couple of chapters. There's a lot of imagery there. What's the point of this? You're reading it going, Gary, you tell me. Well, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. It cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. We just can't make up a bunch of stuff and, and say it's this, that, these, and those, and everything like that. 
Mike, I want to skip down to Revelation 7-4. I want to go to Revelation 7-4. What does it mean? He starts off and says, Then I heard a number of those who were sealed. Because there's a seal. Just like we talk about the mark of the beast, you read Revelation, and I've told you this before, that um, you know the mark of the beast in Revelation is, remember what the mark is, what the number is? 666. I was at Walmart one day, and, and uh, whatever I got rang up 666. Rang up 666, and the, and, and the cashier looked at me and said, you want to get some gum? <laughs> she, just, she just rang it up before me, before I even answered. She just rang it. She goes, I don't like that. <laughs> and there's a part of us, that's the way we are. But listen to me, there's also a seal, there's a mark of the beast, but there's a seal of the Father Christ. That the, the, the scriptures say that when, when you follow Jesus Christ, you accept Christ, that we are sealed by his Holy Spirit coming inside of us. And he says, then I heard a number of those who were sealed, and he uses 144,000. And, and this is not a, 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 um, an actual number, it's figurative. Like if this is an actual number, I would tell some of y'all, you better get busy, because uh, there's only 144,000 going to make it, and you better get busy. But that's not what he's saying. It's a sign of perfection. It's the 12 apostles, the 12 tribes of Israel, all these things, the 144,000. It's a sign of, of completion, perfection. And he's given us a reminder of who can stand. Who's going to be able to stand to the four horsemen? Who's going to be able to stand to the, the teachings of the essence of the Antichrist? Who's going to be able to stand in the midst of war? Who's going to be able to stand in the midst of famine? Who's going to be able to stand in the midst of death and sickness? Who's going to be able to stand in the midst of persecution? Who's going to be able to stand in the midst of natural disasters? Who's going to be able to stand to that? I'm going to, I'm going to give the answer. Here's the answer. The church. That's who's going to stand. For 2,000 years, there's been wars. There's been Antichrist teaching. There's been plagues. There's been natural disasters. There's been persecution. And it's all come after the church. And guess what? The church is here today. 2,000 years later, we're in Covington, Georgia, y'all. It's the most amazing thing in the world. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That this is what the writer of Revelation is telling us. It's taken me a long time to get here, but he's telling me all these bad things are going to be happening. The riders are going to ride. Persecution may come. Natural disaster may come. But guess what? Guess what happens? We win. We win, y'all. We win. We will be here. We will be sealed. We will be part of the 144,000, and we will win. And it's the most exciting news in the history of the world. That you and I, one day, Jesus Christ is going to come back and we will win. And John is writing to a church that's being absolutely persecuted. Their teeth are getting kicked in. And he wasn't writing to them about some crazy stuff like vaccine and everything like that. He's telling them, said, guess what? We're going to win. All this stuff's going to happen. Jesus says it's going to happen. But at the end of the day, guess what? You follow Christ and you're going to win. You obey him, you follow him, you do what he says, you submit, you sacrifice, and you're going to win. And it was the most exciting news they could have. Look at this scripture right here. After this, I looked, and before me was a great multitude, not 144,000, a great multitude. He changes here. He tells us just, it's not just a number, that number is completion. A great multitude that no one could count 
from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hand. Palm branches, you remember when they did that when Jesus was walking down? And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. So let me ask you a question today. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in the face of the four horsemen? What are you going to do in the face of false teaching? What are you going to do when our culture says, hey man, turn your back on the Lord. You go after, you go after money. You go after your job. You go after number one. You take care of you. What are you going to do when you're angry, when this war rages inside of you, you, you don't want to follow, you, don't want, you just want to lash out? What are you going to do when you come face to face with death? What are you going to do when your soul is famished? What are you going to do if persecution does come? What are you going to do if there's a natural disaster? What are you going to do? Without Jesus Christ, you're going to lose. With Jesus Christ, you're going to win. You know what we do? We sing. It's the craziest thing. Listen, it's the craziest thing. We sing. If you're not part of a church and if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, it is the most bizarre and weird thing there is. That one of our cries, our battle cries, it's like, and I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings, but this is like go dogs. You know what I'm talking about? I'm serious. It's like whatever team is your favorite team. In the face of all those things, because we win, man, we sing. We sing in the face of death. We sing in the face of persecution. We sing. Listen, they're doing it today in other countries. We sing. And so I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to ask to put the scripture on the last scripture on the screen. And we're going to close out by singing in the face of the four riders of persecution, natural disasters. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to sing like you're saved. Like you believe what John is talking about, that salvation belongs to our God. All praise, all glory, all power, it's all His. And I'm going to win because of Him. Look at the scripture here. Stand with me as you do. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end to come. That we're here for a reason. We're going to sing in the face of all this and people are going to get saved. They're going to come to know Christ and they're going to be part of it. Let's shout out to our God this morning. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, 
send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.